0: Well, we're heading off the beaten track again today on Main Street, and once again, our guide is Peter Rokovina. Hi, Peter. Hi, Matt. Good to see you again. Now, we have kind of a combo topic here. VW Beetles, the car, and septic tanks. Yes. Okay, and and you found books kind of pertaining to each of these. Very interesting books. Yeah, there's a couple of books which I've uh, come across sort of independent of one another, but they're both illustrated by the same man. So I thought we'd uh, take that opportunity to talk about uh, both of them. So we're going down the road and under the ground, I guess. <laughs> That's a good I way to I never found a book it. about how to use your VW bug as a septic tank, but I'm sure you could if you, <laughs> you tried. Put it in the search engine. So first of all, we have a book called, and it's the 25th anniversary edition, so it's been around for a while. It's called How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive. Tell us a bit about that. Well, first, let's start with a little bit of history about the the VW bug. Okay, that's really what this this book is about. It's about the the bug, the beetle, the uh, the VW van. All of these go under various different names, but those those air-cooled VWs is really what this book talks about. Back in 1935, Adolf Hitler, of all people, decided that he was going to seize upon an idea that was espoused at the time by a guy named Dr. Ferdinand Porsche. Uh, a name that is familiar to all those who know autos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Porsche came up with this idea that uh, what the world needed was an economical and uh, affordable car, so something that the average working class person uh, could could afford and and keep on the road. Uh, Hitler, for some reason, unbeknownst perhaps to to most, decided that this was an excellent idea and he tried to get German car makers of the day, this was pre-war Germany, uh, tried to get German car makers of the day to seize this idea and manufacture this car. He failed in that endeavor and so the alternative was to have the Nazi party or the government actually start to manufacture these cars. They tooled up and all of a sudden uh, World War II came upon them and the factory was retooled to make armaments and, and they sort of got distracted. Postwar Germany, the British were actually assigned the area where the uh, where the factory was. Uh, they came along. They decided to resurrect the factory. They actually tried to give it away to Ford, and Ford didn't want it. So <laughs> perhaps the biggest mistake they ever made. And uh, so they started cranking out uh, VWs in the uh, in the original design of Ferdinand Porsche. And really, to be honest, for uh, 30, 40 years, that design didn't change substantially. the uh, the VW Beetle or Bug that you uh, bought in post-war Germany would be the same one, uh, relatively speaking, that you would have bought uh, in the States in the 60s, 70s, and, and part of the 80s. So well, there was a time when you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a Bug. I mean, That's they right. were the car. Yeah, yeah. My uh, family had one, I know. Oh, it, well, almost anyone you talked to had one in the family. It's funny because in in uh, 1950 was the first year that they were imported into the U.S. 157 were sold. That's, That's all. Not an overwhelming <laughs> amount. No. By 1962 over 1 million had been sold. So wow. see the uh, they took off like a rocket in other words. Anyway, in about 1969, so this is about 19 years into the tenure of the uh, of the bug and the beetle and the van in the United States. A guy named John Muir was a mechanic in in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And he decided that he was going to get married for the third time I think it was, and he needed a lot of time to plan his wedding, so he decided to shut down the mechanic shop and plan his wedding instead. Now I gather from the introduction to the book that he'd been responsible for keeping the bugs and beetles of the community alive in in large part, and a lot of people, when he shut down the shop, were sort of left hanging without anyone to keep their their car going, and so he would get panic-stricken calls in the middle of the night saying, "You know, can't you just make one exception for me? I'll bring it in tomorrow." <laughs> So he decided to compromise and he made an arrangement with a friend of his who didn't really know anything about car repair, that he would write down instructions, you know, how to do an oil change, how to uh, check the valves, that sort of thing. Uh, he would hand the instructions to this person, this person would do it, get back to him with any comments, he would sort of refine these and then distribute the instructions around. And that's what in uh, 1969, 1970 became How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive, uh, which is really, it's it's exactly as the title would suggest, it's it's John Muir's instructions for how to do absolutely everything that your Beetle or Bug would ever need. Well, so, give us some examples. What are some of the chapter titles here? Well, I mean, it's it starts off uh, very simply, uh, How Works a Volkswagen is the is the uh, first t- uh, chapter title, and that's simply just a very basic explanation for how an air-cooled vehicle works, uh, how to buy a Volkswagen is the next chapter, and then uh, there's a whole bunch of t- troubleshooting uh, chapters, very much based not from a mechanics point of view but from a real-world point of view so you get chapters like shimmies and shakes slips and jerks grinds and growls so these are based on the you know you're driving around along the road well is it a shimmy is it a slip is it a a growl and then he goes into a diagnostic process check this check that it's very very methodical but very simple you don't really the book is subtitled for the complete idiot and it really is something that that anyone can understand well it sounds great i mean it's not written for other mechanics it's written for you and me it's written for real people and i think probably the highlight uh, highlight would be the, you know the, the language and the attitude but also the illustrations uh, one of the comments he makes in the in the introduction again is that a lot of car books of the day and, and to this day uh, are illustrated with photographs, and so they're, you know, they're talking about changing such and such, and they have a photograph of that. Uh, this doesn't have any photographs actually, other than of people. Uh, it has a lot of very intricate line drawings by this guy named uh, Peter Ashwinden. And one of the advantages they talk about in in terms of these line drawings is that they can, you know, c- they can blow up the little screw to show you what the head looks like, that sort of thing. So it really benefits from those illustrations. It's it's almost uh, uh, worth buying the book if only for the illustrations because they're so striking. And Muir almost believes that the VWs are are animals or something, like beasts that will return to the Earth? There's certainly a Zen sort of thing going on here. I mean, you have to remember that it was published in 1969 in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So, uh, that uh, is a little off-putting in some ways, but in a lot of ways it's comforting. He starts off talking about, you know, how your car is of the Earth, will return to the Earth. Uh, You know, you don't have to get hepped up in thinking that it's a complicated beast. Uh, He calls it a donkey or something? He calls it a donkey, yeah. There's actually a quote from the book. Uh, he, He begins off, your Volkswagen is not a donkey, but the communication considerations are similar your car is constantly telling you where it's at what it's doing and what it needs I don't speak donkey, he says, but I'm fairly conversant in Volkswagen. So (laughs) that's the general attitude, and he continues on for there for uh, several hundred pages. Now you don't actually own a a VW. No, i never owned a VW. Uh, There's there's a companion book to this called How to Keep Your Datsun 510 Alive, which I profited from considerably when I owned a Datsun 510, but the Volkswagen one was the original and I decided when they had their 25th anniversary that I better go out and buy myself a copy, if only because it it allows you to understand something about uh, vehicles. He talks about uh, one of his great satisfactions from writing the book is that he would get letters from people saying, you know, I, st- I bought the book, I was able to fix my VW, then I realized I could probably fix my fridge and I could put my roof on my house. And, you know, it's, it comes out of that self-sufficiency movement of the 60s. And uh, and I think that's in large part why I bought it. If I can understand a VW Beetle, maybe I can understand the world. So. Sounds handy. The 25th Anniversary Edition, How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive, a manual of step-by-step procedures for the complete idiot. Now you mentioned the the illustrator's name, and he has also worked on another book about septic tanks, which yeah. we're going to talk about now. This is actually a modern day book. So the Volkswagen books from the uh, the late '60s, early '70s. The book called the Septic System Owner's Manual is actually published just this year. It's actually published by a fairly renowned uh, publisher, which which comes out of the 1970s, Shelter Publications. They came out with a book in 1973 called Shelter, which included among other things a thousand photographs of weird, wacky, what they called handmade homes. It was really the the uh, the beacon of the of the self-reliant build-your-own-house sort of movement, examples of which you'll see in Rural PEI from time to time. This book, as you said, was also illustrated by Peter Ashwinden, and it's sort of uh, you know, if, this is how to keep your septic tank alive uh, f- forever. So it's got a, the same distinctive visual style, it's got the same folksy sort of charm, uh, it's intended for lay people, homeowners, not for septic tank uh, professionals. Uh, it really covers the gamut. It, it starts in the same way that the Volkswagen book starts talking about what a Volkswagen is. This starts It's talking about the tank, the drain field, then it goes into troubleshooting. One of the chapters is called Red Alert! Uh, They talk about the history of waste disposal from from Roman times on. They talk about some alternatives, composting toilets, that sort of thing. So it's really a how-to manual for uh, for, uh, owning and caring for a septic system. But you don't have a septic system. Well, no. Now. I mean, the irony of this is that the week I moved out of Kingston into Charlottetown, I bought this book. So uh, it's the both both these books sort of make you want out and uh, go out and either buy a VW or get a house with a septic system, only because they're such good owners' manuals. So, <laughs> but you'll be prepared in any case. That's here. right. Well, I appreciate you telling us about these, Peter. Thank you.